Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Commander Clash podcast. This week, we are going to be talking about finishers, and we're going to be ranking them in a tier list. We're going to be defining it as cards whose primary purpose is to win you the game. So that's that's why you're slotting them in the, into the deck. They can pr- fulfill other roles in the deck too, obviously, but... You're basically using them as ways to win the game first and foremost, and then the other utilities are just nice bonus. Um, and also, we're going to be excluding cards specifically that say you win the game, because we want to leave that for a future podcast. But anywho, uh, joining me, as always, for this discussion is Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive. How's it going, Seth? I'm good, Tomer. How are you? Good to see ya. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm very excited for Vegas next week, too. <laughs> yeah, Boy. yeah. We'll probably have a uh, next recording podcast probably going to be over there. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> um, and then we also have Phil, a.k.a. Brew's Kitchen. How's it going, Phil? Uh, okay. Uh, just to reiterate on the definition of uh, cards that win the game, I usually play cards that put me in a winning position. So if you see the cards that I'm highlighting, let's just say they put me in a very favorable position to win. Mm. Uh, yeah, take that. Uh, just, Just a little... Uh, warning phil you remind me very much of like how seth and, and i used to be like four yeah. years ago in commander clash it's like winning what is that that yep. means i i stopped drawing cards <laughs> right <laughs> right that's oh, so true <laughs> I, I appreciate having that perspective back on at the table um and then finally we have uh crim aka the asian avenger not seth i was about to say seth whoops the daisy how's it going crim uh, it goes. Freshly moved into my new place, so yes, uh, you're still getting unpacked and everything. So yeah, nice, nice. And you have internet, and everything is all good. Yes, the most important part. Yes, <laughs> yes. The chaotic part is soon over, but glad to have you here. All right, and now before we jump into the cards, though, two things you can do to support the channel. Uh, you can like and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And the second thing you can do is you can head on over to ngoldfishmerch.com and you can purchase our beautiful deck boxes, deck sleeves, t-shirts, and so much more over there at ngoldfishmerch.com. And that, that helps support the channel as well. All right. Let's kick things off with uh, the finishers. And we're going to like talk with, about some obvious ones, some of the ones that we rate pretty highly. And we're going to start things off with uh, a certain hoof, a certain beef beast that a lot of commander players uh, are very very aware of and often die to or or win the game with, and that's Crater Hoof Behemoth. This is an eight mana five and triple green five five creature beast with haste, and when it enters the battlefield, creatures you control gain trample and gain plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures you control. So if Crater Hoof enters the battlefield by itself. It's it's going to give itself plus one plus one, and you're going to be attacking with a six six uh, hasty trampler. However, if you have more creatures, uh, the damage gets much higher. They all get trample, uh, and it is usually uh, GG's when it enters the battlefield with like five or more creatures on the battlefield. For ratings, uh, Phil, Seth, and Krim are unanimous S, which is the highest ranking. Oh my god, I forgot to talk about the rankings. Alright, <laughs> for the rankings, for those who don't know, uh, we start off from, uh, S to D. 
from S is auto include staple. So you're basically powering your deck down if you're not running this card. A is really good overall. It's good in a very large percentage of decks, basically every single deck, uh, but some, some exceptions. Uh, B is only good in certain decks or small percentage of decks. It could be a staple in a certain archetype, but if it's not a multi-archetype all-star, then it's a B. Uh, C is average, it's like medi- mediocre filler cards. Uh, we generally don't run these cards unless we have a certain restriction, like a budget restriction. And D is we have to have a very specific reason to run these cards. We basically don't run it unless we have a very janky restricted theme that requires it. So S to D. And uh, for Crater Hoof, we did Triple uh, S, uh, Phil, Seth, and Krim, all S's. And I gave it an A. So what do you all think about about this? I mean, Crater Hoof just like the best green finisher. Like, it's the best overrun effect. I don't even know. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's, it's just, I guess you can construct this scenario where it's bad by being like, I don't have creatures in my deck or something. But it, but, it just wins games. Yeah, it's 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 so good. It's just boring. I guess that's a <laughs> argument against it. But it just does its job so well. It's always super lethal if you have. Like, even if you don't try to build around it and say, oh, I don't have tokens or something, you usually mm-hmm. have your commander and, like, two or three creatures, and that usually takes out at least one opponent <laughs> at the stage you cast it. So it's easy to cheat out. You can blink it. Do, do you, would you put it so in good. every green deck, though? Like, I, I don't know. I, that's why I didn't put it as an S. Like, it, I think it's the best overrun effect. Like, of all the overruns that we have on this list, actually, there's one that I rated higher than this, so I take that back. Of all the 99% of the overruns what? that are in the format, uh, uh, how can you possibly uh, rank higher than this? I'm so confused. <laughs> you can't, you can't just say that and not tell us. What, what do you okay, rank higher okay, okay. than Crater so, of? So a lot of, a lot of like decks, I will actually just not run this card because I feel like, oh, I'm not running enough creatures or it's like eight mana and like green is a splash or whatever. But there's one card I actually rank higher as an overrun effect and that's a Chroma's Will. It's my, it's one of the few S's that are on my list. A Chroma's Will, for those who don't know, it's a four mana white instant. It's three and a white for an instant. It says choose one. If you control a commander as you cast a spell, you may choose both. So option one is creatures you control gain flying, vigilance, and double strike until end of turn. And then option two is creatures you control gain lifelink, indestructible, and protection from all colors until end of turn. So if you have your commander out, you get to choose both these options. If you have one of them out, or you don't have your commander out, you choose one of these options. I actually rate this S... Um, and Krim gives it an S plus, which is even a higher than S and a Seth and Phil give it S. I mean, I, I might be a little bit biased, right? I mean, I'm, I, I've, I've killed a lot of people with this card. Like this card I've died is a lot to this card. It's so good. Like it, it, I, when, when you have your commander out, like this is absurd. And even if I don't have my commander out, you still have the ability to just spend all four, like just a measly four mana. So a Chroma's will is just like by far my favorite. Is, is it an overrun? I guess it's like an overrun. It's a super overrun, right? I mean, hold- I use it primarily to like attack for lethal. So yeah. I think it's an overrun, but like the fact that you could just like fire this off and save your board from a, uh, a wipe is so good 
yeah. then like compared to crater hoof like i think it does the exact same amount of lethal damage like double strike giving all your things double strike and giving your stuff like plus x plus x and trample this also doesn't have to deal doesn't have to get it gets around blockers so you don't have any damage being absorbed by any blockers even though you have trample you'll go I, over I, it i love this the one, trample even though you have protection from every color it's like okay cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's like and also it like if you have a if you have your commander out they have vigilance and they have lifelink so even if you kill like one opponent with this you're already set so you don't die to the crackback which is a scary thing like if you if you have enough to have lethal to kill somebody then you also have to think of like will i die on the crackback and a lot of times there's like situations where like i could kill somebody but then i will immediately die so i can't attack a chrome as well as like nah you get to kill them uh, your creatures still have vigilance, so they can still block afterwards, and you have lifelink. So even if your creatures like, get wiped or something, and then you get attacked, you probably still are alive from a crackback anyway. So that's why I think a Chroma's will is actually better than Crater Hoof. That's my oh, hot pick. It's not, I, I like, agree with I you. Think- there, there's nice. only one reason why I wouldn't say. It. Well, it feels Ugh. like Crater Hoof being like tutorable, exactly is like is, yeah. and, like and reanimated. Is something yeah. that's, that's worth mentioning. Other than that, I mean, I, I still think a Chroma's will is better because I don't have to jump through as many hoops. If I do have the card, right, I don't have to go and tutor it. I don't mm-hmm. have to like like reanimate it, and it only costs four mana, so I can hard cast it. So okay, mm-hmm. I I do love that. I would say both are s, but Kratos scales way way bigger. Like you can't say, oh yeah, these. If you have ten one one tokens, double strike doesn't really do anything. But a Kratos just nukes everything at this point. Like Kratos scales always scales way harder than you think. Like you think, oh, is that lethal? Oh yeah, you're at minus two hundred. Like you always underestimate how insane the pump of Kratos is. True. That's not saying that. Like the protection aspect of a Chromos will is insane, which is warrants an S plus probably. Like it's already S in the hey, I'm gonna beat you down category, and then it's also like a B. I'd say in the protection spell, maybe even because of the protection, literal protection, maybe an A even there. It's a bit expensive, but yeah, the versatility. Kratos like really, really beats down people. Like, I I don't mm-hmm. think. The versatility though, yeah. of a Chroma's Will is what puts no, it ahead for, for sure. me. Yeah, yeah. So it is just a better all around card, I guess. I fills two roles. Like it's a finisher. It's finisher when you need it, but it's also just like if you're in a tight spot, somebody wipes the board, you're like, nah, Chroma's Will. I'm That's, good. I mean, a Chroma's Will is definitely good, but I think you're really underestimating how hard it is to find. Like your white decks are mm. just kind of like hoping you'd stumble into it when Crater Hoof, like. There's a million very playable green cards. There was like, oh, here's my crater hoof. Oh, here's my crater cards that you want to have your deck full of anyway. So I would I would argue that they're both really good in S tier and that mm-hmm. you should be playing both of them pretty much every deck. But I would say the ease of actually having they say the best uh, ability is availability, and I think that's where crater hoof really <laughs> really shines mm-hmm. because you actually have access to it when you need it. Yeah, like Chroma's will. Combos. Like like tooth and nail combos or something. You just say, "Oh, you play Kratos." Okay, so you win now. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we do have. Do we have t- tooth and nail on this list? You would do. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of just works because of Kratos because one mm-hmm. of these creatures is Kratos. Uh, so I'd, I wouldn't say all around. 
They're both. Uh, they're both. They're both. I think they're both that it's great at what they do. Yeah. It's a green creature. Like green is the best color in terms of tutoring up creatures, and you can tutor it up for a mana discount too, right? Like, what was that? What's that card that's like? Uh, uh, it's you sacrifice a green creature, and you get to put a green creature from your Nature's library onto the battlefield. Or, natural order. Natural order. Natural yeah. order. Yeah. So well, I mean, one, yeah. that's four mana, I think, right? So you it sacrifice is. like an elf token yeah. or whatever, and you immediately or like an Avengers Endicar plant. And then you just like get crater hooves. Ah, I appreciate that. I just think that like I don't know. Acroma's will is much easier to get the value. I think. Hon- I, I mean, yeah. Honestly, if someone casts either one of these, you're probably dead. So I guess <laughs> yeah. in the grand scheme of things, like we're quibbling over really like tiny yeah. differences because usually like the game just ends when either of these cards are cast. These are these are the best of the best. And I guess on that note, we were talking about like uh, tooth and nail. So tooth and nail is uh one of the it used to be like the one of the biggest boogeymen of the format i swear in like 2011 this is a seven mana sorcery five and double green and it has two modes as well uh choose one search your library for up to two creature cards reveal them put into your hand then shuffle your library or put up to two creature cards from your hand into play so from your hand onto the battlefield and it has entwined too so if you pay an additional two mana you can choose both options instead of just choosing one so instead of seven mana you spend nine mana you can spend nine mana put two creatures uh from your library directly onto the battlefield um for nine mana so it's a lot and it used to be like mike and trike uh Mikaeus unhallowed and triska uh Triskelion, which does infinite damage, and that used to be like when I started playing 2011. What like that was like, <laughs> yeah. People were like, "Oh, you're playing Mike and Shrek? That that was like Thoracle of it of the casual tables back then. Like that was essentially like, "Oh, you're playing you're playing Tooth and Nail, Mike and Shrek. <laughs> Ugh, what a tryhard!" The and I don't, I literally so cool. don't see this card anymore. <laughs> but hey, it uh, still works. Yeah, it still works. Uh, me, Seth, and Phil gave it A's. Crim though much lower on this with a C. I I don't know. Is is this as I good as it? Right. <laughs> a is probably too high. We're gonna be like, like a B, never mind. <laughs> yeah, like this. Yeah, I could see a B. This is more like a high C, a low B for me. This is not the finisher it once was, to where it deserves to be a, like an A, at least in my opinion. I don't know. It, it first off, how much mana you're spending? There's so much stuff that you get for cheaper now. Like in cost, mm-hmm. so they they mm-hmm. almost do the same thing or can close out a game. So I don't know why I would play Tooth and Nail. I mean, it still gets your Crater Hoof plus whatever else to win. Sure, it's, right? it's a, it's Ooh, a Crater Hoof Avenger. No, Crater Hoof Avenger does it. Like, it, sure. yeah, it is a lot of mana. That is a drawback. Like nine mana is a lot. Although Crater Hoof, we just all like universally lauded, and it's exactly one less mana if you're not including the Entwine on Tooth and Nail. So it's not like this is not a creature though. Yeah, that's a creature though. That's true, but it basically does win the game if you resolve it. I mean, I can see an argument for dropping it down to B because you do need to be able to ramp pretty heavily and you do need to be willing to like maybe dedicate a couple slots in your deck to things to get with it even like yes getting crater hoof is probably lethal but you can also do more fun things you can get like I don't know it that betrays in cataclysmic gear hulk and steal all your opponent's oh, permanents oh, when they sacrifice God, them nice. or like there's uh, there's really uh, archangel avison and nova blast worm and you just like have indestructible and blow up all your opponent's stuff ever there's like so many cool ways that you can win the game with this card so i probably overrated a little bit because i want to do like the fun wins that you never see and not just get the crater hoof 
But in all honesty, like, it is nine mana, so B is probably probably fair, because you got to be able to ramp pretty yeah. hard to actually do it. And unlike unlike the behemoth, like the the behemoth is is a beast. It's a creature in green, and that's kind of why it's so strong. Yeah, is because it's a creature. You can like reanimate it for one mana or two mana with animate dead. This one you usually have to pay that nine mana. So yeah. like like a crow's I'm a will bias. <laughs> crow's will is four little... mana. All right, there's a big there's a big nine and four. Please, but it's why it's in green. That's it's pretty four easy. mana. I'm super biased about. Um, um, wait, well, how am I blanking on this? We just talked about a tooth and nail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like when the card uh, got released, I was like very young and I didn't, I I couldn't fathom the text box on this because I was like the definition of a Timmy. Mm-hmm. I don't play it usually because it feels a little, like I don't like tutors too much. And this one feels a little bit too easy. But yeah, I just love the idea of having like, oh, I play these. It's so, man, as a kid, when I finally had a copy of this, it was just amazing. I probably tutored out like random beasts with it, but man. And also like what Seth said, you can set up some pretty cool combos. Like at this point, you could just win with any other thing, but if that betrays and cataclysmic gear <laughs> sounds pretty <laughs> awesome, honestly. Mm-hmm. I might keep that in mind. But yeah, uh, A is probably a bit too much just because of the price tag. But you can. I mean, you are expecting to die when somebody casts it, right? Yeah. More than, yeah. Like, if you, if you have nine mana and you entwine it, I assume the two things you're going to get out are going to win you the game. Yeah. If you if you don't, then it's like it feels weird that you spent nine mana for it. Coiling Oracle, Flicker Wisp, <laughs> blink it, draw two, <laughs> Risen <laughs> Reef, God, and yeah. like uh, Risen Reef and a clone. Risen like, Reef, oh, no. rock. <laughs> oh yes, oh, yeah. the clone wow. just visit, probably. <laughs> well, s- speaking of old cards that Phil likes more than us, uh, Blade and Thievery <laughs> is next on our list. Uh, this is a blue sorcery, four and triple blue. Uh, for a sorcery that says, for each opponent, gain control of target permanent that player controls. Uh, Phil loves this card. It's like one of his signature spells, I would say, for Phil. Um, this is an S ranking for him, as appropriate. I'm a little bit lower on A. And then Seth and Krim are actually uh, okay on it. Uh, Bs. Um, so quite quite a disparity here from S all the way to B. Okay, let me let me explain my B really quick before Phil gushes about this card for a while. So my ranking is based on the fact that I don't know if I usually end up dying when someone casts this against me. Like, as far as actually yeah. finishing the game, I feel like a lot of times it's like, oh, like, oh, that sucks. They stole our stuff. And then someone rasps and the game continues. So as far as actually being a finisher that makes the game end, it's hard for me to think of this on the same level as a Crater Hoof or an Acroma as well, or a card that's literally like almost 100% of the time or a very high percentage of the time the game is just over. Blame Thievery isn't exactly that in my experience. Mm-hmm. I do think if you got eight mana to spend in your blue deck, it is one of the sweetest and most powerful cards that you can cast. And it seven. is going to generate, or seven mana, excuse me. It is going to generate a ton of value. You are going to get your mana's worth out of the fact. I just don't know if it really ends the game, honestly, often enough for me to think of it as a finisher. Good I love it to be because I don't think it's a finisher. Good point, <laughs> yeah, Seth. Good point. I'm still staying at yeah. S, but yeah, you just win the mental game with this one. It's very good value, which oh, is very so much, much Phil's yeah. brand. Yeah. Like, you get four things for, for seven mana. I thoroughly love the card, right? Like, I, I am in, mm-hmm. I, I 
play blatant theory as much as I can, but yeah, I I just don't think it's a win con. So I guess that's yeah. my main thing. Good point. And let, yeah, still S for me, <laughs> but no real explanation there. I just it's like I just like it. I prefer like being at a buffet to just ordering food because I don't really know what I want, and that's it's the same. Like yeah, I just check out what the other people do, and then I take their best thing. It's like ah, oh, it's so much fun. Yeah, it doesn't really win the game, but it it crushes the opponent's morale. It does. So it does. I mean, you're, this out, is yeah. why this is why I run Homeward Path in all my decks now. It's because <laughs> you and also to some extent, Krim also likes like the Gaunty plays and stuff like that. Uh, Krim, I think Krim's more of like the black end of things, where he's like stealing from the library, and yeah. Phil's more the blue end from stealing from the board. Yep. And the combination of both made me made me realize how much I love Homeward <laughs> Path. <laughs> how critical <laughs> it is. Um well speaking of cards that a lot of people consider finishers, but we're kind of eh on in terms of being finishers, uh, a lot of people actually mentioned Cyclonic Rift as a finisher. Uh this was a lot of, of feedback I heard from Twitter. I was asking like why people still find Cyclonic Rift salty on Twitter, and people kept calling it a finisher. It's a it's a finisher, but like some people uh, just use it to delay. But it's a finisher. And then I asked on on Discord uh, for suggestions for the finisher tier list, actually, and somebody also suggested Cyclonic Rift. So for those who don't know Cyclonic Rift, uh, I your I bless your bless your soul. Yes, uh, nice. <laughs> it's a two mana blue instant that says return target non land permanency you don't control to its owner's hand, but you can over load it for seven mana to return all non-land permits you don't control to its owner's hand at instant speed um and a lot of people were saying it as it's a finisher uh i think the the thought process behind that is that like if you balance all your opponent's permanents they can't block your creatures so you can swing unimpeded um i guess but uh in terms of finish like for finishing the game uh, Phil ranked it D. I ranked it C because it's like I guess mass evasion. Crim B. Seth S plus. I mean, I had no idea how to rank this. I, I ranked yeah. S plus because that was like a ranking that you play it in any decks, even outside of its original purpose. I think sure. is what we decided on. But yeah. I don't really view it as a finisher. I have yeah. seen it finish games. Yeah. Like it can be a finisher. But when we were trying to come up with like definitions for this, I think we mostly landed on like cards that you primarily play to finish the game and i would argue that cyclonic rift isn't that you play it because it's like really good value and really good defense and it's very flexible and then sometimes as a bonus it also ends up like bouncing all your opponent's stuff and you got a big board and you win the game so i don't know i've seen it win yeah like (laughs) it's it doesn't win the game what comes after this might win the game but like it does not win a game best case like i've seen you know I feel like I've seen it. I feel like I've seen it happen where someone has a big board and they just like end of turn, bounce all your stuff, swing in with all my stuff and kill everyone. I don't think it happens like super often, but I'm pretty sure that that's like happened before. You have a lethal, you have a lethal board state and then you keep seven mana open and (laughs) then at the end of turn, like that's, that's not the finisher then. That's just, oh yeah, I could have just do it, but it's just not. Yeah, it can do it, but it's just not good at, I like, finishing. Like, we have better options. If you're looking at it as a finisher, 
we just have way better options. If you're looking at it as a board wipe, like, okay, yeah, it's very good. Still, don't play it. It's not I also, God, Don't we, do it to your plate. We had the hardest time with this because I'm pretty sure I argued it wasn't a board wipe either when we did the board wipe podcast. So <laughs> I don't know what. I, apparently, I have no idea what Psychonic Rift is. A troll card, apparently. <laughs> I didn't know people were so salty. Like, I was genuinely, like, I, I run it in my Zedra deck. I run it in my Mech Titan Cauldre deck. I guess that's the only two decks I run it in, but like I never even considered it like that salty. Uh, yeah, we were talking about the we talked about it in the previous uh, podcast, yeah, though. Fucking getting podcast. too I, too yeah. derailed. If you want to check out, we literally talk about the salt scale uh, on EDH Rec. Uh, link in the left right corner there. Boom. Very good. Um, but yeah, let us know what you think about Cyclonicur. Is it a is it a finisher? Uh, that's interesting. Um, but we'll talk to something that. I guess is more traditionally a finisher now. And that is Rise of the Dark Realms, which is, ooh, ooh la la, is it an expensive uh, card, both uh, in terms of price and also mana cost. This is a, uh, sorry, nine mana, seven and double black sorcery, but it has a very powerful effect. You put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. Not just your own graveyard, not just in a bonus graveyard, all graveyards, all creatures, all graveyards under your control. Uh, rating wise, I gave it an S. Phil and Seth A's, and Krim is a B. So again, quite quite the disparity. I I'm actually starting to think that it's not an S. I will probably bump it down to an A. I, uh, <clears throat> I might <throat> drop it down to a B. Actually, when I think about Whoa. this. It feels to me like everything that we disliked about Tooth and Nail kind of applies to Rise of the Dark Realms. It's like (laughs) nine mana, maybe not as good as it used to be. And it kind of doesn't always win the game because unless there's like a haste enabler, you're doing this at sorcery speed and you build a big board and then there's still like a turn cycle for someone to farewell or austere command or something. So it isn't Mm -hmm. necessarily immediately game ending like a crater hoof. So I think maybe it's actually like a B for me now, and it's more like for my reanimator decks or my black ramp decks that I would like it rather than a good in most decks card. That is precisely why I have it at a B along with uh, like it's a little bit ahead of tooth and nail, but only barely. But for the most part, that's why I have it at a B. Uh, It's just not what it once was. And on top of that, it's it's like absurdly expensive. Right. So I don't know. It just doesn't do what I want it to do anymore, I guess. Like, it, Graveyard Hate is even more prominent than ever. So, it just doesn't feel like it It was what it used to be. I was going to say that about Graveyard Hate, too. I feel like Wizards has woke up to the fact that we need a Graveyard Hate in our decks. And, like, Commander Precons, now look at the Warhammer Precons. There's a lot of, like, pretty decent cards that just incidentally hate out the Graveyard. So, I feel like... That is also a vote against these mastery animation finishers that we're just getting more and more like good cards that also have the upside of exiling the graveyard, which really hoses something like Rise of the Dark Realms. That's actually a good point. I remember being stuck with this card in hand a couple of times, not necessarily because of graveyard hate, but it also costs like nine mana or something. And sometimes stuff just doesn't die or go to the graveyard. Yeah. Um I got it at A. I'd still say if you resolve it, you're in a very, very winning position. You are. But I could, you could argue for a B, but the effect is just insane. Like, the text box in a vacuum is 
pretty I, gnarly. Uh, a vacuum with creatures in the it, graveyard, obviously. It's like such a commandery text box. It's just like so yeah. big and splashy. Tomer, I got a question for you, though. I might be sidetracking us a little bit. How do you compare this to Eerie Ultimatum, which is like... Oof. Kind of similar area ultimatum. It's a seven mana abs and ultimatum. So you got to have three or two mana of each color combination. And it gets back one of each permanent from your graveyard. So that includes non-creatures, but it only hits your graveyard. Let's say you're an Abzan and you want one of these big reanimation finishers. Which one are you going for, Tomer? Hmm. I would put area ultimatum significantly above Rise because... It's so much easier to stack your own graveyard of things you want to get. Obviously, like the the cards in your own deck are going to be more desirable because they have more inherent synergy and you want them more than your opponent's stuff, I think, in general. And Eerie Ultimatum, it's going to get back your fetch lands that you cracked. It's going to get back, you know, all your creatures. If you're a Planeswalker deck, it's going to get back all your Planeswalkers, all your enchantments, all your artifacts. So the fact that its hit rate is just so consistent and it's getting more stuff that you want overall... And it's cheaper. Yeah. Uh, is I okay? So I gave it an A. Uh, Crib gave it a B. Seth also an A, and Phil an S. I guess yes. On that note, I will move Rise down to a B. I still think Rise is good, but it like is. Rise, I I, yeah. I I don't think it's in the same league as Eerie. I think Eerie is better. Like every time I cast Eerie, I, like anytime I have Eerie in my hand, I'm like yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. Even if I have it in my opener, I'm just uh, like yes. It's yeah. It's <laughs> it, it's. I think it's one of the best Abzan finishers or like four color five. But like the downside is the mana is is tough. You do need a lot yeah. of mana symbols of specific colors. But if you can actually yeah. resolve it consistently, wow, it is hard to lose after you Eerie ultimate them usually. Yeah. I mean, that's why I ranked it S, sure. Mm-hmm. Graveyard hate is a thing, but I've seen Giri Ultimatum, we've seen on Commander Clash a lot of times just ending here, technically ending the game as long as the opponent doesn't have a farewell or something. But getting back sagas and artifacts and everything that got board wiped along the way, it doesn't get... It, it gets everything with a different name, right? So you don't get multiple forests but yeah the nature of commander unless you're playing like red colony or something then i probably wouldn't play it but mm-hmm. yeah this is usually game over or a board state that is just insane which mm-hmm. is also game over um but, crim yeah. i i noticed that you ranked eerie ultimatum and rise of the dark Realms with bees which would you consider better and which one would you more likely run in your decks i would more likely run Eerie Ultimatum. Eerie Ultimatum is just cheaper, right? Like, so that that's mostly it. And it gets back every permanent, so that is nice. I do like it a lot more than than Rise of the Dark Realms. But I it kind of suffers from the same issue that I, I can, I'm concerned with when it comes to anything else. It's that uh, there's everything just has Graveyard Hate stapled to it. So, yes. I don't know. Like, I... Love if I see Abzan, I know I'm going to hate out your graveyard, right? Like, like is it? I would say it is almost. You are powering down, so maybe I could pump it up. You are powering down your deck if you're in Abzan and you're not playing this card. However, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, is is the card like? I I think it's just it's just slightly better than Rise of the Dark Realms. It's cheaper, so I like that. But I'm just not a fan. I, I, I love Rise of the Dark Realm and like effects like that. But I think effects like that just aren't what they used to be in general. So maybe that's just me and like how it how I feel when it comes to these effects now. 
I feel like your decks back that up. I feel like we haven't seen you Rise of the Dark Realms us nearly as much as you used to. Yeah. Because <laughs> I used to play in, like, every deck, right? Like, and those yeah. effects. But just everybody hates out the graveyard without even trying, right? Like, it just happens. Yeah. I, I think the main... Also, another thing with, with Rise that... Again, I, I'm getting so much value out of this land, but I'm going to say it again. Homeward Path. This is a great way to counter even Rise from the Dark Realms. Like, uh, it, it, it not only deals with like half, half the finishers on this list, I swear. Yeah, insurrection, um, but, I swear. Yeah, insurrection too. Like, also Rise of the Dark Realms. Like, if, if people are using that more, if like, if death becomes more common in meta, in, in tables and people end up running Homer Path more, then these finishers get a lot worse. Eerie Ultimatum, uh, suffers from graveyard hate. So does Rise, but like, Eerie Ultimatum at least gets around the Homer Path. I, Although I guess I don't know how many like the viewers run actual Homeward Path like I do I, I, because I've been I've been abused so much. I think right? I feel like, yeah, it's it needs a reprint. It's it's almost yeah. twenty bucks. EDH Rec has it oh at two percent of deck. So I kind of wonder if this is a Commander Clash meta thing where we've just got yeah. got so many times like Crim and Phil that it's like a staple in our yeah. play group. When in the broader Commander world, it seems like people play it with. Like Solkinar, the new Solkinar commanders that intentionally like give themselves away or whatnot. It doesn't seem like too many people just play it for value outside of colorless decks. I I recommend it though. If you're listening, try out Homeward Path. It's you know, really good. You never know when you might not in three color rim. If you see it in Vegas, add the Homeward Path before you sit down beside Pillar Crim. Hey, I don't hey, even hey. own a Aiden of Treachery. I don't have to worry about this. My deck is pretty budgeted. <laughs> Fair, fair. Uh, well, speaking of another theft effect that we rate very highly, that is the old staple Insurrection. Um, I was first uh, introduced to this card with the original Precons, and we got to showcase it a little bit in the Commander Clash. But for those who don't know, this is a f- uh, eight mana red sorcery, five and triple red. And it says, untap all creatures and gain control of them until end of turn. They gain haste until end of turn. So all the creatures on the battlefield, all your opponent's creatures, all your creatures, uh, get to untap and immediately have haste. And you get an attack. And generally speaking, you cast this. Um, even if you didn't have any creatures, you steal all your opponent's creatures. Somebody's going to die. Sometimes multiple people will die to insurrection. Um, and we rate this almost one of the highest ones. Uh, this is S for me, Seth, and Phil, and uh, Krim gives it an A. What do you think about this card? I, I have to throw an asterisk, because S means play it in every deck, but I actually think you shouldn't play it in every deck. That's its ranking based on its power. My opinion yeah. is Insurrection is a very unsatisfying way to win a game of Magic. I used to think it was cool, and then once you do it a couple times, for me personally, it became unsatisfying. So now I essentially never play it. It's on my like personal shadow ban list, because it just feels hmm. too... It feels like it invalidates everything that went on before <laughs> that turn when you cast Insurrection. All the plays, all the cool things, none of that matters. You cast this one card, and then, and then that's it. So... I think the community might actually back this up because it's only played in 1% of decks, which blew my mind because I feel like on its power level, it should be like a legitimate staple that you just always run. But it seems like maybe other people are in the same boat where after the insurrection a couple times, it just stops being fun, I think. 
So to prod you a little bit on that one, though, what, what if you rank like Craterhoof and Insurrection both S's, what makes Craterhoof more fulfilling in terms of like a ending than Insurrection? So actually, I when we talked about cards we don't play anymore, like six months ago on a podcast, Craterhoof was on my list for kind of the same reason <laughs> that I thought it was a little boring and too easy. Although I will say that uh, I think the difference is at least with Crater Hoof, you have to have creatures on your battlefield. You do have to put a time. It's not a lot of effort, but you do have to put a little bit of effort into it. And you have to build some amount of a board to have lethal. When Insurrection, you can literally not play a creature the entire game. And then it can still just kill someone or win the game. But it... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, it is an eight mana spell and an eye mana spell that I think it's it's fun. I don't know. I, I never got tired of getting insurrection. I like we just never got insurrection by Phil. Oh my god, my opposition get. agent. Oh, that's a shame. How many times have I killed you all with creatures this season? Come on! True. You are like the rogue player in the you, you played rogues and merfolks against us fairly yeah. recently. The 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 creatures are good. The, the they're they fine. They have to be blue. They have to be small. Yeah, they have to be. I have, at least half of them have to have flash. Yeah, correct. And uh, he has to have counter magic back up. <laughs> I mean that that is fair. But but yeah, like I I genuinely enjoy insurrection. Even losing my creatures, right? I don't know. Right. I think the card is like flashy. It's funny. It's not. It's no worse. It doesn't feel any worse than like anything else that happens, right? To me, at least. To me, it kind of falls into the Crater Hoof thing. Like, I, I'm i not sure if I ever played Crater Hoof on Clash. It's just a little too... Oh, yeah, I guess I win. It's even worse with inter- Insurrection because it really doesn't matter what happened before. <laughs> that being said, I did play it in Dragon Week because I thought, well, everybody's going to have a huge board and this <laughs> would just be funny. It didn't kill anybody, or did it kill somebody? Somebody also. You took me down to like out. two or something like that. Yeah, and then somebody Seth, played Seth that. saved me by phasing his creatures out. That's oh, that's right. the problem. Yep. If Seth yeah. didn't phase out, it would have probably been lethal. But yeah, it feels a little uninteractive. It's kind of the same with Rise of the Dark Realm and Crater of Behemoth. Just insanely powerful effects that kind of invalidate what happened before but yeah i mean you still can't deny that it's an insanely powerful card it's kind of weird that it doesn't get played that much maybe because back in the day it was the finisher and now it's like yeah we've seen that already let hmm. let me ask you guys something well, though. Craterhoof. Sorry, Crater Hope is also from a decade ago and sees a lot of play, though. That's true. It's Although, feature, though. for some reason, they never reprint Insurrection. They reprint it in the first Commander deck, and I don't think it's been reprinted since. And Crater Hope oh. gets reprinted a lot, so maybe people just don't know about it as much, like newer players. Uh, that could be That could be part of it. My question is, let's say you want to be able to finish out the game in your red deck. What do you play if you are like me and you think insurrection's a little boring that's something i do struggle oh, with yeah. is like there's not a really great like i win the game card in red so tomer what do you what do you got for me <laughs> i have one i have one i really like I, it it's a, it was a featured in a pre-con recently yeah and krim krim you have it on your list yes and i'm so happy we're we're, we're twinsies on this yes it is spectacular showdown it got it printed in the pre-cons with forgotten realms no Baldur's gate 
Baldur's Gate. So this year, I think, I don't even know. There's been like 50 products, but it's, it's sometime, <laughs> sometime recent in the past year, I think. Spectacular Showdown, two mana sorcery, put a double strike counter on target creature, then go to each creature that had a double strike counter, put on it this way. So you could put, you could do it on one or you could overload it for seven mana and you can put a double strike counter on every creature on the battlefield and go to each one so not only is it good for you to like set a lethal attack because you basically pre-combat you your pre-main phase combat pre-combat main phase there we go you put double strike you give all your things double strikes that might be enough to kill somebody however uh you could just just you know put mass double strike goad everything on all creatures and just watch the bloodbath unfurl like Everybody's going to die or they're going to lose all their creatures or both. Like, it's just hilarious. I, this I like on, this card. On I love this line. card. It, I played it. I don't think it's it. on Magic Online. Oh, it, it's, I have it's never so seen fun. it before. It's so much fun to play against. But you know what? I find it funny that... Uh, okay, so what, what do you have? Uh, whatever. Insurrection at? Okay, S. Okay, cool. Because I think that this card is essentially an insurrection over time. Um, and it might even yeah. do more damage than uh, like you would think. This card yeah. slowly bled out the table. Uh, ha- like this is a very very fun card to play against. So I don't know. I it, it, it's yeah. even it's even cheaper. It's one mana cheaper. So I thoroughly enjoyed this card. I think this one's such a fun one to play with. I think it's a lot worse just because the creatures don't have evasion or anything. So odds sure. are, like, if you're if you're like facing a lethal attack, like you could just be like, "All right, my thing has double strike, your thing has double strike, we'll just block, and it's fine." It also gives them like a deter- like unless you're killing people with your own double strike creatures, you're giving your opponents a turn to react. So if they have like a board wipe or something in hand, block. they can just wipe the board. Block. Who's yeah. blocking? Everybody usually attacks somebody else. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and then, true. like, and then, I, I cast it, I cast it on like the the Pride Month thing, and I had you, I had you on for that game, and it was like so. I just played the precon. Yeah, and yeah. It was like I overloaded, it, and oh god, it was so fun. But yeah, it's I think such this is a like fun a good, card. I think this is like a much more fun version of Insurrection, personally. Yeah, I like the power level a lot more, and I think I like how it plays a lot more as far as like how strong it is i think it as you said is like significantly less powerful than insurrection but for me i think that's a good thing i wouldn't feel bad about winning with spectacular showdown because there's uh, there's some risk involved like it might not necessarily work (laughs) out uh although honestly like would you play this in just any red deck or is this like a goad card like you got to be goad thing because i think it came in the goad like the whatever the goad dragon is and it's got a bunch of stuff that like Mm -hmm. cares about you making your opponent's stuff attack there's like you draw cards when that happens and stuff like do you have to have those support synergies or you can just be like i'm a mono red deck i want a way to close out the game throw this in there it's gonna be fine i think it's like insurrection where like insurrection is a little bit better in threat and base decks where you can like sacrifice the creatures afterwards in theory but it's so good that you just kill everybody anyway. So this one is like I don't know. Like yeah. it could. It's a lot better in a double, in a go deck, obviously. But I think you could just jam this in and get some good value out of it. And it does have that like cyclonic rift flexibility where you can just fire it off for two mana and build a Voltron threat and get in some damage. So that's kind of nice too. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's fun. Um, speaking of lots of fun though, this is another card that I see. Um, a lot of people use to kind of like it was it was an old school 
old school favorite, massive value engine. That's why it's on Phil's list. Um, but it also usually just ends up closing the game. Uh, this is Genesis Wave. It's X and triple green for a sorcery that says reveal the top X cards from your library. You may put any number of permanent cards with converted mana cost or mana value X or less from among them onto the battlefield. Then put all cards revealed this way that weren't put onto the battlefield into your graveyard. So if you hit like any type of permanent lands, creatures, planeswalkers, artifacts, enchantments, they're going to go immediately into the battlefield. Um, and then the, like the instances of sorceries, they go into your graveyard. So they fill your graveyard as well. This card, I think is still very good. Uh, and our rating scale of that is A for me and Phil, Seth though, and Krim B's. So not bad, but not, not super high. Bees I'm sorry, I'm distracted. <laughs> is there like an insect in front of your camera, Seth? Something's oh, crawling. I think, I think there is. is. Yeah, it looks so trippy. I thought it was huge, but wait, it definitely wait, is. What? I'm sorry for the on my listeners, but there's yeah, yeah, yeah. On your right there. Is it, it still like there? A, Why am I not yeah, seeing it? It's the little brown thing down right there. It moves down I'm right. I'm sorry for the audio-only <laughs> listeners, but where is it? Where is I it? I I see it crawling right now. What? I don't see I anything. I don't see it either. This is so weird. Phil, is this on your monitor, maybe? I, no, I see no. it. What? <laughs> I'm so you, you're right where, this. It just which, looks so Which way are you rolling it? Is. No. No. Well, wait, what? are you talking about the one that flew by? No, it's... Uh, There's one there I currently. I mean, the viewer's going to see it. Let's talk about Genesis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Genesis wave. Ge- Genesis. Yeah. Genesis. Genesis wave. Genesis. I, here's why I have it as a beef. <laughs> I think B is such a hard rating on our scale because it encompasses a lot of things. Like, technically, a card that's literally only good in a single deck, but it's really good in that deck is a B. Genesis Wave, I guess, would be a high B. I think this is a B that's good in more than one deck, but it does have requirements. You do need to make a lot of mana, and more specifically, you really need a lot of permanence. Like, if your ramp package is mostly... Uh, cultivates and Kadama's Reaches and Nature's Lores rather than Mana Dorks and things like that, I think it gets a little bit worse because this only does things with permanence. If you if you uh, cast this and hit a bunch of spells, it's really, really bad. So you need a very permanent heavy deck and you need to ramp really heavily to make it worthwhile. I think elf decks can really take advantage of it. Other, like, big green decks, Omnath would be another one. Like, anything like that, land-based ramp decks, Windgrace or Azusa, things like that, it's really good. That's where I find this card to be super effective. But it's not a card I would jam in just any green deck, because I think I like the I like the nature lore or Farseek ramp packages and end up having, like, too many spells in my decks, especially once you have the green card draw, the Rishkar's expertises and harmonizes. It becomes a little bit hit or miss for me yeah i just ranked it down to b uh, i gotta be yeah. honest there it's just super fun this is it like is. cascading but you get everything <laughs> in the right deck like uh, yeah but it doesn't really close out the game unless you're playing like in landfall it's it's actually pretty yeah. sick like you're gonna get so many triggers oh. there yeah, you're probably going to win timeless the game, tracker, but... tireless tracker, eternal witness, get it back to your hand, yeah. cast it again with all the mana you just made from your ETBs. Yeah, like, with oh. like Lotus Cobra and stuff, you can get go off pretty yeah. far with it. Yeah, I'm keeping it as an A. I think it does win the game if like you untap with a bunch of stuff, and also like if we're saying like it's not good in decks that have a lot of instant sorceries, then I think Crater Hoof is like not also 
highly ranked either because all you need to have a lot of creatures in your deck for Crater Hoof to work. Like, I don't know how many in, how many instant sorcerers you have in your typical green deck. Like twelve? No, I don't like, know. The, the hit 10. rate is like ten. I mean, yeah, like I, it's it's like low. I probably have ten just know. ramp spells, and then you have the no, really in your green deck. Rampant growth, nature's lore, three visits, far seek, cultivate, Kadama's reach, cultivate. That's like six. Then you're up to six, and then okay, maybe 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 it's. I less think you'll than have I like think. ten or so whiffs. I don't know. It, I think it's fine. Hey, like hey. if I'm in a green deck, I just naturally I'm going to be permanent heavy. I think. I got a question. The fact for- that it hits on lands is huge too. That. That is that is helpful. Although if you just put a bunch of lands into play, you're kind of sad. You want you really want to be better <laughs> than that. I think. Well, this is Field of the Dead, what? and you're playing a tribal deck. <laughs> what number makes you happy with Genesis Wave? Like, what does the X have to be equal to for you to feel good about casting this? Because I think for me it's like Six. 15, 20. Green, like, I want I want to be really like casting this for a ton of mana. If I'm casting it for like eight mana or something, I'm pretty sad. I think X equals six is good. Like most, they'll hit most permanents in my deck. When, I, when I'm in green, I, I want ten. Be the lowest. I want. But 10. what if it's my six ramp spells? Ten. We just counted up, Tomer. <laughs> Cultivate Kadama's <laughs> Reach. Wait, how, how big is Cradle? Cradle is eight. So yeah. you, you X equals eight. You're good. So then you got to get to eleven. Cradle of. Yeah, I guess then you would yeah. put all the permanents into play. Yeah. It's kind of weird how we rank this, right? Because with other cards, if they would straight up cost 50 mana, we would say, well, yeah, you're never going to play this. But it's this scales scale. so well. And if yeah. you play stuff like Nissa or Mana Doublers, you get it to a point where it doesn't matter how much something costs. You can just pump 20 <sighs> mana into everything. And the I lands guess- enter untapped, ready, right? So you get. I guess if we going. say Tooth and Nail is not as good anymore because it's nine mana. Yeah. And we have to spend at least nine mana for Genesis Wave people's <laughs> X equals six. But I guess based on my own consistently, I must rank this a B. Aw, I remember this was really good back it's in the day. It's super fun, yeah. I'm sad now. <laughs> uh, why we're talking Genesis Wave, can I ask you about one other card that I'm curious about? Because I noticed mm. we had really diverse rankings on this card. Uh, and that is Majestic Genesis, which is eight mana genesis wave but equal to the mana value of your commander so a commander even if it's in your command zone doesn't have to be on the battlefield so if you have a two mana commander it's obviously horrible if you have a big commander i don't know it could be more efficient than a genesis wave we got a couple of b's from yeah. phil and tomer ah, a d and a c oh wait <clears throat> tomer just dropped it down to a c so b from phil <laughs> c c from tomer and grim d from me is there my question is is there any deck where you would actually want this like if you're playing ur dragon or you're playing like boring like we're playing galta playing like some really expensive commander is this in the conversation in those contexts i put it in ur dragon because like okay. imagine you spend eight mana you you reveal top nine and you just like drop all the dragons that are in your deck that seems really good and I guess it is worth mentioning. I said it was was exactly Genesis Wave. The one difference is it doesn't care about mana value. You just any permanent yeah. you reveal, you're going to get to put into play. So there isn't any mana value restriction. So maybe if you're playing like a eight plus mana commander, it's worth it. Like in that range, it's more efficient than Genesis Wave at least. Although the thing I dislike about it is you never get the upside. Because uh, the thing I love about Genesis Wave is like, oh my god, I'm a green deck. It's a late game. I have like thirty mana, <laughs> and I just put my deck into play. This will never. Yeah. This will never be able to do that. I think it's more mana efficient, but it's not scalable. Yeah, 
which is yeah, good yeah, and bad. Probably that, put that's it down the to pickle C, within yeah. it. And you really need to have a high, like you need to have like eight plus mana value yeah. commander for it to be worth casting, or else you're what are you doing? Yeah, seriously. So like, I don't know. Maybe maybe one day they're gonna print like a. Oh, what about like was it Galta or something? What's it like? Galta's like, twelve. Galta's like, twelve. Yeah, yeah. twelve. So I mean, like you get you have like a Galta. You you're cheeky in some sort of a green deck that has a really high mana value commander that you can cast for cheaper. Then I think that that card becomes really good. But it's like it's not even an archetype at that point. It's like very specific. It's good in very specific commanders, but like a handful of them. And it's good there, but like I wouldn't run it outside. But it is something to think about. Like I don't think I I, I forgot that this card existed. To be honest, yeah. I so like now did too. <laughs> now now it's on my radar. Like if I if I make a Galta deck or something, I will run this card. It looks very sweet. Maybe Boy, some Galta of the, specifically, yeah. Maybe some of the Galta big dinosaur like Gishath. There was a comma. Gishath, yeah. I could see There's an argument once you get into that range, maybe. What yeah. about this dinosaur? Oh, it doesn't really make sense with permanence, though. There was this dinosaur <laughs> that gets cheaper for every spell you cast oh, or something. Frosta, Modern Horizons, card, two card. Yeah, yeah. but that's kind of like weirdly spell slingery. So I wonder if you'd yeah. be light on permanence, maybe, if you're playing Thrasta. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so Galta, Boring Clex, Big. And even then, yeah. It doesn't mm. have the upside of Genesis Wave. Oh, okay, just well, keep it. Uh, what about the legendary case. one? The one that <clears throat> Phil infamously, infamously <laughs> cascaded into with his one Jota cascade before we killed him. Oh. How, how, about, how about that <laughs> one? Is that a finisher? <laughs> I mean, in the right deck, a closer. it's insane, right? Yeah. It's a closer. Always be closing. I, I think it's significantly worse than Genesis Wave, even in legendary decks, because it, it misses on most lands, right? Unless they're legendary lands? No, no. Lands come into play. Oh, they have? You do get the lands, yeah. So if literally all of your permanents are legendary, it's a better Genesis Wave, I think, because it's one less mana. Like in Jota. But... <laughs> you hit it with Jota. <laughs> yeah, the one downside yeah. of playing in Jota. But, <laughs> and you have to be, like, so heavy on legendary. It's like, obviously, I think it's getting better over time. I remember when it came out in Dominaria, and the first Dominaria set, like, five, four years ago. I remember it was like, ah, it's really tough to get the hit rate up Good there with Genesis Wave. But now it's like much easier. Like just we're getting so many legendaries. It's, I think like in two years from now it's going to be like just strictly better than Genesis Wave in most decks. It is. It is sad that you can't hit the combo pieces we were talking about with Genesis Wave, like the Lotus Cobras and the Tireless Trackers, and like some of the best hits if you're trying to like chain together Genesis Waves aren't legendary, unfortunately. Hmm. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um. But speaking of cards that we think are pretty good in uh x style decks torment of hellfire aka the go-to mono black finisher for all that big cabal coffers mana what this spell does is uh loading there we go uh it's x and double black for a sorcery that says repeat the following process x times each opponent loses three life unless that player sacrifices a non-lane permanent or discards a card. So if X equals 10, your opponents have to uh, repeatedly 10 times either lose three life, sacrifice a non-lane permanent, or discard a card. And they repeat that over and over again. Eventually, when you run out of cards and you run out of non-lane permanents to uh, sacrifice, you do have to just start losing the life. So if X equals like 15 or so or 20 or more, 
uh, it will it will guarantee kill an opponent if if X is high enough. Uh, we rank this as what do we rank this? I think it's A's it? across the board. Yeah. Actually. yeah, A's across the board. Yeah, A's across the board. Um, that sounds about right. It's, <laughs> it's a mono black all star for me. If you're playing yeah. mono black, mono black has all the mana doublers, so it's pretty easy yeah. to get the X really big. I don't know if I've ever played it outside of mono black. I'm sure there's specific like two or three color or four color decks that might want it. But for me, it's a card. If I'm mono black, I'm going to heavily consider it in pretty much any mono black deck. But if I'm two plus colors, I usually forget about torment. Yeah. One thing I got to say, though, like, at least when when I say, oh, some cards are boring if they just win the game. This is literally just a slot machine where you throw in money and at some point you say, oh, yep, I, I cast it for enough mana. We don't even need to resolve it. Just go. I mean, this is just a game game over button that you press at some point. I guess that's the point of playing yeah. is kind of winning. But You need to have so much mana. Combat. Like Even if X equals 10 is usually not enough to kill somebody with this, nah, you really need to be like mana. X equals 15 or higher. So you need like 17 mana for it to, to, to like reliably kill the table. So I ran into Shiro, and yes, it's a little bit boring, but it's like, yeah, if I have 17 mana, I should be able to kill you, right? Like I should yeah. be able to dump that 17 mana into something. You should, That's why like I... You should yeah. be casting like eight relentless rats or something that's that's the correct <laughs> no, way to play you. mono black tomer yeah <laughs> i feel like I, I feel like once you've spent a certain amount like a threshold of mana you should just like the spell should there should be spells that just be like all right you spend 15 mana gg or 20 mana gg you win uh, i think that's that's fine yeah <laughs> i guess the game does have to end i'm biased because i run that's, it that's true yeah <laughs> i'm biased because i run it in my mono black but it's like what else am i supposed to do like so Shiro doesn't win the game, and the two, two Bushido's <laughs> not going to charge in and finish you off by himself, usually. I mean, sometimes he will, but, like, you know, it's Ormond of Hellfire. It's good, it's good, it's good yeah. fair magic, you know? I, I, I don't even play this anymore. I, mostly just for those reasons. It feels like it's kind of easy and also a little bit more fragile than it used to be, right? Everybody knows to blow up mm. your, your, like, Cryptgast or whatever. So, yeah. uh, no, oftentimes, fine. like, you know, like, I, I'm just like, okay, cool, I can do this for, like, X is 4. <laughs> because... <laughs> mm. So, I, I don't know. I, I just personally haven't enjoyed this card as much anymore, and I definitely taken it out of my decks. Maybe in, like, a Spellslinger deck or something, I, where I know I can, like, float tons of mana, like, in a Kest deck or something, that's where I'll probably pop off with it. Otherwise, I'm not exactly high on this card like I used to be. You know, it's that... also weak against token decks. Like if you're against yeah. a treasure deck or against this like any one one token deck, elf ball or something like that, if they have like twenty things to sacrifice and your torment of Hillfire is just not gonna do much against them, you might as well board wipe. I I guess the amount of treasures we've gotten lately probably makes this card worse, really. I hadn't really thought that through, but it's much like someone docksides and then you cast those and I'm like, Oh sure, I'll sack, you know, all my dockside treasures, like you did nothing with your seventeen mana. What do you think about Exsanguinate? I don't even think Exsanguinate was on my list, but when Krim mentioned mm -hmm. not really playing Torment anymore, when we first started doing Commander Clash, Exsanguinate was in every black deck. I had it in every single one, and that was my, like, mm -hmm. ha-ha, everyone's kind of low on life, I got a bunch of mana, I gotcha, it's uh, double black and X, and each opponent loses X life, you gain life equal to life loss that way. Um, that was my ha-ha, like, I gotcha, I won the game card, and now I never play Exsanguinate. Is that a good finisher anymore, or is that kind of just bad Torment in 2022? Is it just you, the worst version of Torment of Hailfire? 
We had it on the list. We give it all B's. So instead of A's for torment, we gave it B's all around. I might actually swap that around. Yeah. The one thing I think when it has going for it is you can cast it for like X five and gain twenty life, and sometimes fifteen life, and sometimes that's actually pretty relevant, just as like a life gain spell almost. I mean, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely. I probably play it more. I mean. Tormund is better at winning the game, but if you have 20 mana, you might as well have 40 mana or something. <laughs> so I think that might be hmm. a little out there. But yeah, casting Exsanguinate for like 8 or something in the late game will probably buy you a couple of turns, maybe kill one person just on accident. But you get so much life from it. So I, yeah. <clears throat> I guess while Tormund is just good if you actually win with it, although actually... Isn't it just good to torment for 10 and let the table suffer and <laughs> then prey on the weaker opponents afterwards? Like, it's not mm-hmm. too bad. You just usually don't cast it if it's not lethal. But Exanguinate, you actually gain, like, easily gain, like, 21 life or something. I mean, huh. I run both into Shiro, and Exanguinate is exactly like a stall for time thing. I don't usually kill people with Exanguinate because, like, if you have like 12 mana, it's X equals 10. Unless people are below 10 life, it's not going to kill anybody. So it's not really that good as a finisher. I think Torment of Hilfa, even with tokens in, in the meta, is going to be still better. Because every single one is like potentially three, even though you have to make them discard cards and stuff. So it's not really. But it's still going to be a better rate than one mana, one mana for one, where which is what Exsanguinate is. But I I do just fire this off for like X equals ten and then I gain thirty life and then I'm just sitting I'm 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 vibing until I get more mana so I can cast more mana fail fire for lethal. I think they're both good, but I think like in terms of finishing the game off, I think Torment's are better than Sanguinate, but Sanguinate's still very good. And also most people just run Gary now. I think Ray Merchant of Yeah, oh yeah, Gary's much better. Is just like yeah, for for people who don't know Gary, uh it's three mana, double black. Why is that not? Uh here, when it actually? enters the battlefield. <laughs> What? Why is that not on here for a finisher? I feel like Gary. I don't know. I think we forgot it. Yeah. Uh, let's let's throw in Gary real quick. Um, I would I would give that, that one an A really personally. Finish the game. Like, yeah, that's Gary's really just life cushion, right? Really? I think yes. I think Gary usually does. Like uh, it's like when you have like enters 30. the game, enters the battlefield, drains each opponent for X, and you gain that much life. And X is equal to your devotion, the number of black black symbols on your permanence. So Gary has two, so you you drain everybody for two, and you gain uh, that much. So usually it's like six. Oh, uh, but it's, it's like with it on a creature. More. Yeah, but the fact that like <laughs> you can reanimate it's so, like blinkable yeah and reanimate yeah, sure, yeah. Okay. like you loop it so easily um that i think it's like way better than exsanguine because the fact that you could like repeatedly get it and also i think it's more mana efficient too like if you just have a board of a couple if you're like a mono black deck and you have just like a couple other permanents on the battlefield uh you're like going to be quickly doing like uh drain you for 10 or whatever without having to spend 12 you know so i don't know i like it I, mean, I think, good. I love Gary, but 
I I don't know if I'm buying the Gary is a finisher. Like, is my Esper Sentinel a finisher? Because it could attack 40 or 120 the Gary, times. Gary, Gary, Gary is so much better than that. Is Exsanguinate a finisher? I, feel, I think they're both finishers. Uh, I feel like for me, Gary's a card that I love to play in black decks, but it's usually more of like a stabilization card than when I'm building my deck, I'm thinking of it like, okay, and gain some life, I can stabilize, rather than, oh, this is my crater hoof for my black deck. But it is very good. Same, like power level, yeah. I'd probably give it an A, I guess. Although I still don't know if I would define it as a finisher personally. All right, that's fair. Get, that's fair. Really? I think it's. I think it's Gary's more definitely of a, a, I've, I've more of a people. finisher than any of the other. Like, I guess like, I think it's more of a finisher than torment. I think it's more what? of a oh, what? Yeah, no. <laughs> torment of the hellfire is is not what it once was. I'm telling, and it's like, but I don't know. How I, you I get forty pips? Forty pips is so many. That's so 40 many pips. Forty pips, but like you can reoccur uh, it. So, like, how many times have I won with Gary? Many. Like, seriously, Gary has slayed so many people, or I've lost to Gary. Gary actually kills mm-hmm. the whole table a lot more than you think he does. I mean, uh, but is that because people are like? It's late in the game and everyone's down at seven life or something, and you're like, ha ha, like, gotcha. Or did Gary actually do? I don't know. Like, it's not like a crater hoof or insurrection. When I think of a finisher, I'm thinking, you know, like, boom, like, I just hit you in the face for 200 damage. And Gary is, that's a lot of pips. That's a lot of pips if you're going to do that with Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Gary, though, so whatever. We, we can call it a finisher and give it a day. I'm fine with that. We're, we're going fast and loose today. It's fine. <laughs> All right, speaking of very good and, and very specific decks, uh, there's two cards. Seth, Seth, you throw onto your list um, that are very good for artifacts, artifact oh. decks, uh, finishers. Uh, Cyber Drive Awakeners, number one. It's a recent card from the uh, Neon Kamigawa pre-constructed deck, uh, printed this year, I think. I don't remember. Everything's a blur. Uh, five in blue, so six mana total for a 4-4 four, four artifact creature construct flying. Other artifact creatures you control have flying, and when it enters the battlefield until end of turn, each non-creature artifact you control becomes an artifact creature with base power and toughness 4-4. Four, four. So the original intent of this card, because it was printed in the vehicle deck, is basically your vehicles are, if they're not crude, they're not creatures. So all of your creatures essentially become crude, and they all have flying, and you can smash people for lethal that way, but it gets much better especially if you have just like treasures it's, it's treasures it's like clues mm-hmm. clue clue tokens as well yeah. very good food uh if you have those type of things littered on the battlefield they all become four four flyers and you can immediately smash in and kill and same idea with the second card rise and shine this is a two mana sorcery with overload so the uh, non-overload uh is target non-creature artifact you control because a zero zero artifact creature put four plus one plus one counters on each artifact becomes a creature this way or you can overload it for six mana and then all your non-creature uh artifacts become four fours uh that can smash in and and, and crush people um so same same idea they're all all your non-creature artifacts become four fours uh, Cyber Drive is more expensive, or Cyber Drive gives them flying. This one does not, but this one's permanent. Um, and for the uh, ratings, I guess just like bees all around. Bees. I, I think they're they're probably bees all around. I mostly want to mention. I want to mention yeah. them because I'm not sure how many people knew about them, especially Cyber Drive Awakener. And when I asked on Twitter what people's favorite commander finishers were, there were several people that shouted out Cyber Drive as like their favorite finisher in all of commander 
And I think it's actually like a pretty good finisher with those things you mentioned. You're either playing like some sort of artifact deck, like an Urza style deck or Brea, some sort of straight up artifact theme deck, or you're playing some sort of artifact token deck, Lannis or something that's making a lot of treasure tokens, a lot of clue tokens. This is a pretty legit way to close out the game. You could almost compare it to like the blue crater hoof in some ways. The combination of like (laughs) flying and making all your things into four fours. I feel like you should at least be able to one shot someone. Even if you're just playing a bunch of mana rocks, you can probably one shot someone with this. And if you're actually like build around it, you probably can possibly kill the entire table in one turn. So I mostly expensive. I it's no, like because I'm bucks, two one bucks. Of, yeah, I I gotta get this then because uh, Rise and Shine is my win condition in my Lonus deck, Ooh. and the Awakener seems like way better. I just didn't know it yeah. it existed. Honestly, it's creature right, so it's even yeah, it's better a, in Lonus. Yeah, and you're like, in green, so you can oh. tutor it up easier. Yeah, it's yeah, really I, good, I but it's like in a precon, just like Spectacular Showdown. I don't think most people know that it exists. We get so many because pre-cons. just like in precons. I know we have like uh, fifty of them each year now, so it's like yeah. whatever. I can't even keep up with all the precon cards anymore. Yeah. This is what I do all the time. So yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I missed the card. I don't know if I was it out when I built the deck. I'm almost sure I run. Amagawa is when it came out. So yeah, I, it was in the vehicle. It's been about almost a year. Maybe, maybe it was just short of me building this deck. I remember playing like Oversimplify and stuff from the Strixhaven one, but I, al- I don't know. Oh. I gotta get this card because this might actually end games and stop yeah. me from dawdling around too much. And it yes, synergizes with my games. Yes, please kill yeah, us. Please. Please. Kill us. Flying. Kill us, Phil, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Is it on Magic Online? No, God no. <laughs> Probably. I, I thought Imagine. They, God no. But, wait, but they, wait. They, they added the whole. It is. It is available Mega. online. Hallelujah! Oh my God! It is. They put it online. Way to go! Oh, way to right. go, Moto. But yeah, good like, job. if you're not playing an artifact deck, you have no use for this card. But if you are, keep yeah. it in mind. If you've never heard of it before, look it up because it's only a couple of bucks and it is a decent way of finishing the game. I don't even think it's artifact decks though. Honestly, it's on. Is I think it's more just like a Lonus deck. Because, like, yeah. I have an artifact deck, and I have a lot of artifact creatures, and this does nothing for my artifact creature deck. Like, none yeah, of them you... get boosted. I don't really have non-artifact creatures in my deck, so it doesn't really do anything for me. I mean, I You also don't want to turn your valuable, like, mana rocks or, like, Aetherflux Reservoir into creatures that are very vulnerable. But clues, well, man, hmm. I got enough of them in Lonus. And I guess treasures and stuff as well, although blue has more to do with clues. Well, like the awakener is is great for that because it's only until end of turn. So they have flying, so they're not going to die to blockers or anything usually. And then after your turn, they become creatures again or non creatures again, so they're not going to get wiped or anything like that. So I think that's good. But it's just like if they just pumped all my creatures, then that'd be great. But it doesn't. It's just like it's like it's specifically if you have treasures or clues or food, then I think these cards become really good. But if you're just like jamming it into like your uh, an average artifact deck, I actually don't think they're very good. Mm-hmm. You really have to have a lot of non non creature artifacts for them to be I, doing anything. I guess I guess that is true. You do have, do need to have a lot of non creature artifacts. I guess the other exception I might make is vehicles, just because along yeah. with. Along with turning them into creatures, you're probably getting attack triggers or combat damage triggers or whatever other shenanigans your vehicles are doing. So as a way to, like, turn on your vehicles for a turn without crewing, it's probably pretty good, too. And the the Awakener gives them flying, too. So some some of the vehicles don't fly, so that's an additional boost, too. Um, 
I like that card a lot. I should also say that I think Rise and Shine probably maybe should be a tier lower. I think turning them in is a finisher. It's fine if you kill people with it right away. But I don't like that it keeps my artifacts as creatures forever. I feel like that's just setting me up to get blown out by your wrath. So if you don't actually kill everyone, (laughs) you're probably going to lose all your mana rocks and all your whatever that you're accidentally turning into creatures forever. So I would definitely rank Cyber Rive Awakener. On the spot, right? If you kill them and stop, yeah, then then you're good. Then you're good. So if you got a bunch of treasures or clues or whatever, then it's fine. But I think Cyber Drive Awakener is like definitely the better of the two. Yeah, it gives them flying. It doesn't. It and also you're never going to like non overload rise and shine. And then cyber drive awakener is probably going to class for cheaper because if you're like in an artifact deck or a creature deck, you're probably going to be able to put it onto the battlefield for less mana than the sorcery would, and you could find it easier too because it's a creature. So and it's an artifact. And it's yep. ATB. So there's a lot more synergy with an artifact creature than a sorcery in in artifact the decks. So. They're really cool though. It's yeah, it's just kind of a shame that like there's so much so much product that like it's really yeah, hard to, to to keep up. So that's this is why we have these podcasts. We're just talking about cards that we think might have slipped under the cracks recently. Um but yeah, so speaking of cards that slipped under the cracks, uh okay, okay, okay. Okay. So I wanted to talk about this actually when we were where we're talking about like Torment of Hailfire and Exsanguinate. But there's one card that I put in as a finisher for uh, Skull Tribal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's actually pretty good. It's uh, Skull Storm. Uh, this was also printed in a, a pre con. Um, my boy Skull Storm, where are you? Uh, where did I put it? Is it not on the list? Oh no, I cut it out. All I, right, one second. I, I got gotcha. you. Skull Storm. Yeah, yeah. It is nine mana. It's a sorcery. It says oh, when yeah. you cast it, you get to copy it for each time you've cast your commander from the command zone this game. And each opponent sacks a creature, and each opponent who can't sack a creature loses half of their life rounded up. Take it away, Tomer. <laughs> so hear me out. Hear me out. On on uh, so let's say let's say you're a partner deck, for example. You have two low-cost partners. They're just dying left and right or whatever. You're recasting them a bunch of times. Or you just have like a low-cost... You have a low-cost commander or whatever. It's dying. And you recast it like three times or something. Then you skull storm where where, where you get... Like you cast it and you make three extra copies, four extra copies of this. Your opponents... It's basically a board wipe plus... Plus, people lose, like, half their life total. So, like, if they're at, like, 30, they lose 15 life and they lose all their creatures. Like, that seems really good. And then if they don't have creatures, if you fall, if you cast this when they don't have many creatures out, then you're, like, they go from, like, 15, from 30 to 15, from 15 to 8, or is it rounded down? It's rounded down to 7, and then from 7 to 3, and then 3 to 1, and then, whoop, they're dead. So it's like if they don't if you wipe the board and you skull storm like oof oh boy yeah like yeah okay it's nine mana it's fine <laughs> but but it's like we were talking about like oh you can circumvent torments and oh extinguish it you have to spend so much mana you have to spend like a silly amount of mana but whereas this one it's nine fine it's the same yeah it's a lot of mana but and your creature and your commanders have to die a lot but like if you're in a partner deck for example I think this card is really sweet or if you're in like tiny bones then it's it's very thematic. Two mana commander, it's gonna die a lot. It's dude, Virtus as well, right? The commander that actually has a partner, Virtus and Grom or something. I played them in the like it was actually a half life tribal deck because Virtus already halves the opponent lives. 
And yeah. it works pretty well with... I mean, it doesn't really matter how much it costs because you have to recast your commanders and stuff. So it's a super late game card anyways. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty insane if you kill somebody with it. Is it and, the... I mean, what, what's the minimum copies you want out of it, I guess? Oh, yes, three. like three, three copies. So you cast your commander three times. I, also, I'm the only one who likes it, by the way. I gave it a B. Crimin Phil C. And then Seth is just like, nah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't cast my commander. <laughs> I, I've gotten better at that. But I, You've this gotten card better is, at that. I have improved. I have improved. Actually, my real problem with the card, other than me not casting my... Well, like, statistically, didn't we do stats and we found out you cast your commander on average like 1.5 times a game or something? Like, if I'm remembering right. So I feel like... You do need to be in a specific deck that's kind of actually trying to make this card good. But the mm -hmm. real concern I have is, isn't this just, like, hosed by your opponent having creatures? Like, <laughs> like if you get three copies, isn't it your opponent sacks three creatures and that's it for nine no, mana? No, you get three I mean, copies yeah. and you, then you get four. You right, get okay, four you get the it, original. Right? Yeah, okay. So let's say you get three total copies or four. You cast your commander three times. So you get four total copies. Like, isn't a yeah. lot of times it's going to be like, sack my bird, sack my token, like <laughs> way to go. Nine mana. Like, have you actually had it work out? Tomer, I haven't played with, I haven't played with it. So I no. shouldn't speak to you. Okay. <laughs> it would be really sweet if it Wait, did. No, I could Tomer, you, I will, you did play with this, right? I've, no, that was the, I don't think I've ever, one. I don't think I, I think. ever won with it. No. If you could combo with it in my, Wrath the board and then this yeah. and cast your commander a bunch of times. Eh, that could do it. I mean, yeah. Massive <laughs> I ever, play. Uh, I, won I think Tomo but... played the blue one of the cycle against us yes. at some point, and it was really good, but the black one yes. is very ambitious, <laughs> but it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I played the blue one and I copy like a bunch of stuff. It's copy it's copy like artifacts or something like that. You make token copies of artifacts or something like that. And this one is just like a finisher. Um I mean the downside the, the 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 bar of this if you cast if you cast your commander three times and yes it's a lot but like you have four copies it doesn't make you sacrifice your own creatures it's like a one sided wrath and, but like you get them one time and they lose half their life uh -huh. one time they don't have one creature to sacrifice boom lose half their life and then they're all juicy and vulnerable for 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 uh, lethal swing or something like that. I don't know. Maybe I don't. Maybe it's not that good. All right. Maybe it's, it's not good. I it just, is cool. Skullstorm. It, it seems like a fun like challenge to win with card. Like I, if you yeah. say you won with Skullstorm, oh, that would be a that would be a good story to have in the back pocket. If you, if you're bored of Torment of Hellfire and Exsanguinate, but you still need that <laughs> finisher, pick a, <laughs> pick a commander ad? that's Are... like yeah, pick a commander <laughs> that's low cost that everybody hates and will kill on spot, and then you're like, bam! Well, you killed my commander that fed into my plan. You fool! You activate my trap card. Skull Skullstorm you. Dude, to dudes. Tomer's infomercial is like, are, are you tired of winning games of Commander? <laughs> are you tired of casting good magic cards? Well, then do I have a Do I have a do I have the for, card you? for you? Torment of Hailfire? Boring. And I just like put the stamp thing on the, on the screen. Yeah, so Insurrection? Good. Too easy. <laughs> Try out the tired new Skullstorm. Tired of Hailfire? Boy, do we have the hoops for you. <laughs> just cast your commander many many times is and then it? hope for the best and hope your opponents don't have creatures and you win the game maybe <laughs> is it cast from the command zone it or is could you yeah. just bounce command zone Aww. yeah yeah yeah, yeah otherwise <laughs> you could probably get some yeah, too crazy yeah, there is. it would have been OP otherwise <laughs> oh it would have been too good for nine mana alright 
fine. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't win anybody over for this one. I'll, I'll concede. We'll concede that one. Um, do we have anything else that we wanted to talk about? Uh, do do do. Oh, there's another. There's another value card here that Phil really likes. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the finisher aspect of this is going to be strange, but I do think it's sweet. Uh, this is eight. This is Amanatu's augury. Uh, eight mana sorcery, six and double blue. It says, exile the top eight cards from your library. You may put a land card from among them onto the battlefield. Until end of turn for each non-land card type, you may cast a card of, of that type from among the from among the exiled cards without paying its mana cost. So you could get up to like eight hits, I think. It's like land, creature, planeswalker, uh, artifact, enchantment. Uh, Instant, sorcery, tribal? No. Oh yeah, yeah. Instant, uh, instant sorcery and with tribal. That really? Tribal is a card yeah, type, right? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But okay, fine. Up to nine. Tomagoy I guess. Yeah. You're bitter blossom. You're bitter no, blossom. No, sorry. Up to. Yeah. That would be eight. I think. I think it's eight. Yeah, that would be eight. Um. Mm. I did I rank it S? I, Man, this no, is almost Phil, no. No, Phil, Phil put it as an A. Okay. At uh, least Seth, Seth and I B. Crimson I think I'm probably going to put it. Ah. Okay, so full yeah, disclosure. Whenever I cast this card, I somehow manage to get Menoric Deluge with it. So I <laughs> yeah. instantly afterwards copy the same thing three times. So I get the top, whatever, 30 cards or something and can play my deck. And this worked two times already. So for me, it's an A and it's a finisher. <laughs> It's probably not. It's it's probably literally a B because you really have to structure your deck in a way that can cast a big sorcery, but also has creatures, artifacts. And so, so it's usually, I played it in like spell slinger type decks, but with like stuff like primal amulets and creatures that like Baral that makes spells cheaper and then you need to copy it. Man, it's more like a fun win, honestly. You you win the game because you had the most fun. Let's say it like this. That's why it's an, an we, A for me. I like that you like it because I like seeing it. We've seen Phil yeah, do crazy things with it. Like, we yeah. have seen Phil win games. I believe he won a game yes. with it. Although, I think most of Phil's finishers are the cards that, when he plays them, we're like, oh my god, we gotta finish Phil. I think he might have un- misunderstood <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the theme of the podcast and it's cards that make us finish him before he kills all of us. <laughs> yeah, how many times has Phil won the game after resolving this? Or how many times has he immediately died because we had to dance together? <laughs> but it is really It powerful. is a finisher like, you of can cast up to... Oh. Eight mana, you get to cast basically eight spells, and you circumvent the mana cost because you get to cast them for free. So, like, yeah, I mean, probably not going to have a tribal thing, but if you had seven, that's like really good. But just like the odds of getting that much is, <laughs> yeah, you need really to have cool. like a very specific deck. Like, it has to be evenly distributed <laughs> uh, card types. And then you probably need some sort of like top deck manipulation. I mean, really though, like get... if you think about it, even if you hit four or five it's not yeah. bad because you're gonna cast them no. for free too so if you're like drawing four cards and casting them for free that's still not yeah. bad for eight mana and you can sequence them like you can play them yeah. in the, the way you like like if you have yeah. like a, a fog effect and a blatant thievery in there you can play blatant thievery and then copy it on the stack well, that's yeah, you were like so... casting like what instant speed spell copying and then the spell like you you were able to get that all from your yeah, piles I, I, I of remember, this right I don't... something like that yeah 
I don't know which deck exactly it was, but I was copying spells. Yeah. I remember it's looking absurd the few times you've done oh. it, but it, it is it is narrow, I would say. You really need a fill deck where it's just like big, big haymakers yeah. dot deck. Like if I was building like original Joda or something, I'd play this. Or anything that lets me cast it for free. I like Jaleva or something. I'd oh, play yeah. this. That's, that's I mean, if you have Soaring oh, on yes. turn one every game, it's probably a staple. You're you're <laughs> yeah, like a quarter yeah. of the then way there on turn yeah, one. You're, so, yeah. you're, you're good. You're halfway. <laughs> Uh, Krim does not like this though. This is a C, but you love Amanatsu. I don't understand. I, you don't like her augury. I don't like her augury. Just seems like oftentimes I win. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's too but much Amanatsu RNG. Even brainstorms for you, right? Like that—that's even better. Uh I mean the brainstorming's nice, but it's still too much RNG for me. I don't know. I—I I, don't—I don't like it. I—I've cut it from my decks. I like Amanatsu, and I wish she'd get more cards. But this is also just a little too high up in cost for me. And I and I mm. really don't like the RNG of an eight mana spell like that. <laughs> yep. Fair, fair. All right, one day I want to see more Amanatsu's augury. Now I kind of forgot. I just want to see more cards with Amanatsu that aren't <laughs> her augury. Wasn't she on like a promo or something recently? I think she's gonna like I... team up with like. Wasn't there like she was like on a promo? She, I, I swear she was like on like yeah, a promo yeah. poster or something recently-ish uh, i thought she was gonna show up in like dominary united or something i thought she was in double masters well a lot more oh okay yeah whoops i mean but i kind of remember her being on some artwork of a reprint or something but this might just be like mandela effect type stuff i really like, want her to like show up at the end of like the phyrexian war or something and like alice norton has defeated all the planeswalker and then this little girl shows up and she just like Thanos snaps she shows up and <laughs> auguries them all into oblivion whatever yeah. that means <laughs> like bladed like bladed thievery like all these like haymakers just like come out and like alice norton has been defeated and all of phyrexian army gets like stolen <laughs> little girl shows up destroys um anywho I, I know we're running out of time tomer but you did miss one card that and i think this is probably intentional because you have it ranked as a d and everyone else ranked it as a s i'm just gonna say i know you said we we couldn't talk about all win cons but technically divine intervention doesn't say win the game on it <laughs> yeah uh, okay what does it do so. it's eight mana it's an enchantment it comes into play with two counters on it and during upkeep remove a counter and when the last one is removed the game is considered over and it's a draw it draws the game <laughs> me grim phil s tier uh, literally across the board. Tomer, D tier. Tomer, why do you not like Divine Intervention? You need to explain yourself in the next three minutes before the podcast runs out. The viewers want to know, Tomer, why do you hate fun? I'm literally the only one here who has won with Divine Intervention. Nobody won, won actually. So. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've, I've drawn with Divine Intervention on Commander Clash. The record can show it uh, that I have, I have achieved... No, I can't even say victory. <laughs> it's, like, you it's a victory. If we the five finishers of cards whose primary purpose is to win you the game, this literally does literally does not. It literally by the text on the card does not win you the game. It draws you the game. It's eight mana for this effect, and you have to wait two turns unless you have ways of removing the counters earlier. I'll give Tumor that. It is not a win condition. 
it's if, if winning is trolling your opponents, then yes, I think <laughs> trolling. It's a win. <laughs> trolling. I mean, that is this is again cards. It's all casual win. magic. You didn't know <laughs> yeah. nobody won. Everybody it's hates when someone the, else wins. So it's not about the destination; it's about the journey. The <laughs> divine visitation picture. The journey is painful too. I don't know I about just, that. I just don't get the card, honestly. Like, obviously, S it kind of stands for a satire there in the <laughs> rating. But how do you? Well, well, why? It's like a peace treaty on the table. <laughs> it's over. I don't know how this card came to be. It's on the reserve list. Oh, it's so hundreds I, and hundreds of dollars. Yeah. So you'll never actually yeah. get, none of us will ever play with it in uh, in person. But I think I, we, mean, I just had to slip it on here because until Wizards <laughs> prints a bunch more draw the game cards and we can do a draw the game tier list, I don't know nowhere else to put it. And I love the card. So the card is we funny. have to ask Mark Rosewater what's him on the storm scale if you draw the game. <laughs> There's no other. There's no other ones, right? This is it. I don't think there's another card in Magic that can do it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It just ends the game. It's what we need. The most anticlimactic way. Yeah, but it just. I I mean, you gotta appreciate the card for this. It just does. such a unique thing. I want for for this is what I want. I want like a super ultra pushed version of you draw the game. That's like vintage playable. Like it's so good, <laughs> but it will consistently do it. And then like you have to ask, like, do I just run this in the sideboard if I think I have a bad matchup yeah. or something, and then I'll just like intentionally draw yeah. instead of trying to lose? Like, can you imagine? Oh, I, oh the next level would plays be for so, that. So tilted. Oh, it'd be great. And it would be universes beyond cards too. Yeah. I make sure it's it's, it's like universes Fortnite, beyond or something Fortnite, like that. Draw the game. Magic players will draw love it. Draw the game. One drop Ragavan. If it deals combat damage, you draw the game. Like it has like menace and flying. <laughs> yes. Oh, so yes. good. Um, all right. So that is our list, everybody. That's an hour and a half. Uh, finishers as always if you're interested in seeing all of our rankings because we ranked 40 cards this time uh, you can check it out in the article on mtggofish.com so if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple, iTunes, wherever uh, head on over to mtggofish.com check out the article for Podcast 66 and you'll see all of that there also if you're on YouTube and watching this then it'll be pinned in the top comment section um, and yeah, let us know what your favorite finishers are, what we missed. Again, we skipped a cards that specifically say you win the game, except for, uh, you draw the game on, on this, on this one. Cause we're going to be talking about this in a, in a follow up podcast. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's the big thing there. Uh, so again, like and subscribe if you like that sort of stuff. We'll be back, uh, next week with a probably a Vegas special because we're all going to be in Vegas, uh, for the October 30th. Uh, celebration and all that stuff. Um, so until then, friends, see ya.